This reading can be found on page 523 in the Pure Bibles, and it's also going to be on the screen. It is from Job chapter 19, beginning at verse 25. I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Valerie, thank you for reading that to us. Um, I'd love you to keep Job before you, either on the service sheet or um, in your Bibles. Let's pray with those words uh, in our minds and ask for God's help in understanding them. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We sense that he has been speaking to us, reminding us of wonderful things about the Lord Jesus already in our service. And we pray for his help now as we turn to his written word, the Bible. We pray that you would speak to us, Heavenly Father, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a rather quirky song from Yorkshire. I don't know how many Yorkshiremen I'm going to offend by calling it a quirky song. Popular in Yorkshire, popular... In other places, probably too, on Ilkley Moor Bar Tat. And I was very, as part of my preparation for Sunday, for Easter Sunday, I decided I would set myself to work out what Bar Tat meant. It's described, I know, it's without a hat, thank you, but it, this, these two words of the song have eluded me many times. It describes a person, you'll know the song, dying on Ilkley Moor because they catch a chill from not wearing a hat. Bar Tat means bar the hat, bar thy hat probably, in case you were wondering. The song then, if you know it, takes us through different stages of existence from that point onwards. Stage one, buried on Ilkley Moor Bartat. Stage two, the body is eaten by worms on Ilkley Moor Bartat. Stage three, those worms are then eaten by ducks. Stage four, those ducks are then eaten by us. Last verse, here's the punchline, then us all have eaten thee on Ilkley Moor Bartat, which is a slightly macabre, slightly grim way of coping with the reality of death. A bit of grim humour, trying to sweeten a bitter pill. But on a serious note, change and decay affects us all, does it not? Our bodies will one day die and decompose. And, of course, the process starts pretty early on in life. There's a point in your 20s, I understand, when our old brain cells are dying off quicker than new ones are being added to our cerebral cortex. And our organist, David Adams, tells us about the conversation that happens when the elderly meet up with each other and compare their various ailments and the upcoming medical appointments. It's a conversation that he calls the organ recital. Well, the famous words of our reading are amongst the oldest words of the Bible. Uh, It's possible some people date Job as, given he had lots of camels and uh, 
herds and things like that as a, a, a sort of patriarchal figure around in the time of Abraham, maybe. So these are old, old words spoken by this character, Job. His words have survived well, but they acknowledge that we are not natural-born survivors. They acknowledge the reality of death and decomposition, a process which, in his experience, had already set in while he was still living. Maybe you know the story of how this fabulously wealthy man lost everything he had in a few hours, his family, his wealth, and then his health as well. He's left scraping sores on the scrap heap. He was completely alone, too, because his wife and his friends were not able to comfort him. What does he yearn for in that situation? Well, interestingly, it's not that his property or children be restored, but that his relationship with Almighty God be restored. He has confidence that God is alive and that God is for him. But for the moment, that God seems to be absent and he wants to experience that relationship in person, even if that doesn't happen till after his death in the life of the world to come. So let's listen to his creed that Valerie read to us. Let's listen to that creed again from Job chapter 19. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I am not another. How my heart yearns within me. I call that statement a creed. This is a confession of faith. It's something he is convinced of. I know that my Redeemer lives. He uses a special title there, Redeemer, which is Old Testament language for a covenant protector. The Redeemer figure in your family was a person in the Old Testament for those who were vulnerable to turn to um, for help. And it's from the same family of words which talk about one person paying the redemption price for somebody else. Job had suffered so badly, but I don't give up hope, says Job, for I have a protector, a redeemer, whom I can turn to. I know I do. In the end, he, my redeemer, will stand upon the earth. And in his case, it's not just a family relation he's hoping to see, a distant sort of cousin who might be a redeemer, Listen to how he continues. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. God may apparently be absent for now in the agonies of his life, but he will put all wrongs to right, and faith will turn one day to sight. Job is convinced of that. I guarantee that in a Gathering like this, many people will instantly, as soon as that reading was read, had catches of a tune from the Messiah going through their heads. It was a master stroke of Handel and his librettist. Is that what I call him, Jenna? I don't know, what do you call him? The guy who, who put the words and the music together. When he wrote the music for this Old Testament text from Job, Handel ended up putting alongside it a New Testament text from 1 Corinthians 15. I know that my Redeemer liveth, that's the Old Testament text. How? For now is Christ risen from the dead, 
1 Corinthians 15 from the New Testament. He is the great redeemer who paid the redemption price. Paid it for us, dying himself for our sin, as we're going to remember at communion in a moment. And it's on the basis of that same Jesus who died being raised that you and I can look death in the eye and face it confidently. See, we've got even more reason than Job had to know that our Redeemer lives. How come? Well, because Jesus has come through death and been physically raised. And the New Testament makes much of this. It was the Jesus who had died who was raised. We had at the first service that uh, moment where Jesus said to the disciples in the upper room, look at my hands and feet. They were pierced. It's not a ghost, you see, and he had uh, fish to, to demonstrate that to them. He wasn't just a hallucination. You remember Thomas, again. Thomas missed seeing Jesus with the other disciples on Easter Day. And what he said he needed to be convinced that Jesus was raised was to put his fingers in the nail marks in Jesus' hands and then to put his own hand up into the wound the spear had made in Jesus' side. Thomas wanted to be sure that there was direct continuity between the Jesus who was crucified and the risen one who had been seen. And when Jesus showed Thomas his hands and his side, that continuity was established, and it was enough to convince him. And on the basis of Jesus' bodily resurrection, we should be confident that whatever decay our body undergoes after we die or even a bit before, I will be physically raised in direct continuity with my current body. Isn't that how Job speaks here in verse 27? I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. I'll be raised physically. It will be recognizably Simon Scott who will be raised just as it was recognizably Jesus Christ who was raised before. And then with my own eyes, I'll be able to see Jesus face to face, eyeball to eyeball. There is a future and a physical future at that. And I don't know if this is a helpful thing to say, but let's remember that as we handle bread and wine physically and take those physical symbols of Jesus' physical suffering into our bodies, into our metabolisms, our digestive systems, if it's not too crude to put it like that. His body was broken. His blood was poured out. And his flesh and blood today are on the throne of heaven. And if he is our redeemer, if we're trusting him, our bodies will also head that way. So because we look back to bodily suffering that ended in a physical resurrection, we can also afford to look forward to our own resurrection with confidence. There is real substance to our faith and to our forgiveness and to our future. So look at the movement of the verses and how Job reasons from a fact about God to a fact about his own destiny. I know something about God. My Redeemer lives and that he'll stand upon the earth. And if that's true about God, he is my redeemer, and then certain things follow about me. I can be confident myself of life 
beyond the grave, however decaying and dismal things are in this veil of tears. Apparently there was a moment in the Battle of Hastings when William of Normandy was in serious danger of defeat with his army. And to make matters worse, a rumor ran around his soldiers that he himself had been killed. And when he heard this, he leapt onto his horse, threw back the visor, and rode up and down the lines, shouting, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. And with those words, of course, he rallied his troops. He restored morale, and they made one final successful assault on Harold's stockades. With danger, death, and decay, the worms eating our body, the shadow of mortality falling across our lives, we can lose hope. We sometimes feel like we're not far from defeat. But our Redeemer lives. Though he actually died and was buried himself, he was raised to life again. And every Easter day since that first Easter, it's as if he rides up and down the lines of his troops saying, I'm alive! I'm alive! I'm alive! There is a future for you. My future. My Lent book this year, which I was desperate to get people to read, is a a wonderful book by an Iranian refugee called Daniel Nayeri. I can show you it. I was desperate to get people to read it. And, of course, it is reprinting, and you can't get it anywhere. So you'll have to wait. Anyways, Daniel Nayeri's own story, and it's called Everything Sad is Untrue. And you could get the audio book. I think you can still get it. He narrates that, and I thought it was actually even better than reading the the print version. I really recommend it to you. I'm not going to wreck it by telling you the story, but he escapes the secret police in Iran and ends up in Edmond, Oklahoma, um, which I've already offended Yorkshire, but I don't know if there's anybody from Oklahoma here. It is not the center of the universe, Edmond, Oklahoma, let me tell you. He's sort of safe. But in fact, the last little book of the, uh, bit of the book has a new escape being needed. And they end up back in a sort of cheap motel again. So he's never really home for long, always on the move, just to pass him through. The hero of the book is Daniel's mother, who he describes as unstoppable. Setback after setback after setback in life. But she just keeps going. She's unstoppable. And how was she unstoppable? Well, answer, because she had hope. Hope that the God who listens would one day speak justice and that everything sad would become untrue. Don't you long for that day? Well, Jesus' resurrection is what guarantees it. And that's why, in this book's case, That's why she was unstoppably hopeful. It means anybody can be unstoppable. I think she would affirm exactly what Job says here. I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. So I want to close with just a couple of questions arising from those verses. Have you ever looked into the events of Easter Day and investigated whether there is a Redeemer alive? 
Have you got to the point where, having looked at the evidence, you can say with Job, I know my Redeemer lives. Christians believe, we've already said in that creed, I didn't know it was the middle line of the Nicene Creed, on the third day he was raised. That's actually a straight quote from the chapter I mentioned earlier, 1 Corinthians 15. As soon as Paul the Apostle says it happened on the third day, he's saying it's datable, in time and space it happened, it's historical. And we believe, therefore, that it can be investigated. It can stand up to your scrutiny, to honest questions about it. Have you actually conducted that sort of look into the evidence to the point where you can say, yeah, I'm convinced, I know my Redeemer lives. If you've not yet done that, I want to encourage you to do that. And of course, I would love to help you in that. There are other people here who would love to be part of that process and talk it through with you. We'd just love to hear from you and look at the evidence. No harm in doing that. It'd be a great thing to do as a result of Easter Day this year. That's one question. Have you looked into the events of Easter Day in that sort of way to the point where you can say, I know my Redeemer lives? That may be one response. Only when we are convinced, when we know, will a second response be possible. And I want to encourage this one of you. A second thing, a longing to meet him. It's only when we know that our Redeemer lives that we'll actually want to meet him. How my heart yearns for that day. A convinced mind is a first step in the journey to a yearning heart. I want to ask whether you've got that yearning heart to see the world's wrongs put right and to see your Redeemer face to face. Let's pray together. And it is our prayer, just born of the confidence that Jesus is alive, that we would grow in our knowledge of him, in what we know about him, in how well we know him personally, in our relationship with him. And we look forward to that day when everything sad in this world will prove untrue, when the great justice, righting of wrongs occurs. And we thank you for the pledge of that day through raising Jesus from the dead in his name. Amen.